Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Lawson. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. How are you going today? Oh, dude, just winning. Just loving life. Happy to be here. I guess to go on radio twice today. Isn't that awesome? so good. I'm it's happy. actually really good for us, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's super good. It's great for me. Like, yeah, I get to hang around on the morning show. We had a great show this morning with uh, Blake Penland as well. Oh, fantastic. Helping out there while Lyle's away. Team America. <laughs> so, yeah. On the radio today. <laughs> Doing great stuff. We've got Shell in the studio just killing it i'm the, i'm the minority essentially yeah got my, americans everywhere and it's yeah, just just it's me okay. it's okay well you, you can't hate us because you, here's the thing you don't you can't help where you're born right yeah fair you enough you just can't help where you're born so you just gotta love it oh it's <laughs> so good you know what i was thinking in my brain then i was like oh yeah blake like australian uh, sorry american but for some reason my brain was like oh yeah robbie's australian but you, you i'll just take it not i'll take you're it just no. <laughs> just, you're just not but you are like how long have you been living in australia now i've been in australia not quite as long as blake but i've been here for 12 years yeah that's hectic that's a, a while that's a really long time but unlike like, he's got citizenship and i um i'm still waiting for permanent residency <laughs> yeah you're just you're just floundering you're just you're just you're just, you're just living living out off this amazing area but yeah, i don't blame totally. you i don't blame you dude. it's a good space to be it's 100%. a good space to be especially living in newcastle yeah newcastle's not bad i love it down this way dude i was making the point to someone the other day i was like i think newcastle is just the best city ever yeah, and tell me why. Why do you why do you like okay, Nui so much? Okay, so I love Nui so much because we have everything here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is this is what's up. So we have like the we are a coastal city um, that has big industry, but we also have a big educational sector center because we have you know UON. Yeah. Um, that it, like takes on a lot of international students. So Newcastle is like pretty multicultural. Yeah. Uh, particularly over like the last ten years, it's just become more and more like authentically multicultural um we have the bush we have the beach we have you it know, is true that's one of the things i love about newcastle is you have rock climbing and bushwalking really close by and you got the beach and then you got the beach and then you've got like the plains out in the hunter valley where it's like you know you can basically do anything here except for i don't know snow ski yeah but so that's that's kind of a lot of australia that's yeah nice. that's <laughs> and that's kind of like is then almost, if you, almost all of australia <laughs> yeah pretty much and if you added in that element of snow skiing then i was like you know would it compromise everything else because yeah. then it would just be pretty cold weather all that's right. all the time but it yeah. all depends on your perspective doesn't it but dude newy newy is like i've lived in a lot of places but dude newy is the best i love that I grew up here, so it's Anyways. a pretty good spot. Do we have anything we're supposed to talk about? I just well, you're just I just wanted to say that uh, <laughs> we got a great show lined up for you guys today. We're super stoked to have Lawson on. We're going to be hearing from Blake's wife, Malvinus, today for our Testify oh, segment. Epic. Let's go. And we're also continuing on with the second part of our In the Beginning series, and we're going to be doing a Bible study on Genesis chapter 2, so you want to hang on to your hats and glasses for that one. It's going to be great. <laughs> and in the meantime, this is Jimmy Needham. It is finished. It is finished, it is finished, tear, tear, style. The beauty of a double meaning phrase He sees from his labor and so if I Now resting only in his grace It is finished, it is finished, tear, tear, and The Son of Man succeeds. 
to Real Faith with Robbie and Lawson. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. Super stoked to have you with us. And just before we get into our next segment, I just wanted to do a shameless plug because we love to hear from you guys and uh, you've got an opportunity today if you call in with your question or text in with your question, any question about the Bible, about God, about spirituality, the difficult questions, the easy questions, the practical, the theological, mm-hmm. throw them at us. We'd love to hear from you. The first person who calls in today is going to get a free copy of a book called Patriarchs and Prophets. Oh, 
epic. Let's and it's go. a great book that goes through a, a, a very big chunk of the Old Testament. Mm. It's kind of like a commentary on the Old Testament. It goes through and just gives some some context. It's a great book. So call in at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text us at 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. We'd love to hear from you. And now it's come that time for what a weird and wonderful world we live in. <laughs> This is such a good segment. It's this so much is, fun. This is awesome. I think it's exciting to learn about the world that God has made. There's so many cool hey, things to learn about. Man. I was learning about oh, bees so this morning oh, because yeah. um, I got stung by a Treating bee yesterday. Your wound. That's right. <laughs> That's so what do you have so for good. us, Lawson? All right. So, so Robbie was like, oh, yeah, you should talk about something. And I was thinking about it. And, and one thing that I love talking about, uh, you know, just, you know, something that I really nerd out over. I feel like, you know, there are very few subjects that you can really like, you know, that you know enough about or you're interested in that you like fully nerd out over. And this is something that I, I just... Nerding out. That's good. I, I love it. Like just talking about it. And it's often like a conversation you have on Sabbath afternoons, right? Where you're talking about the Bible and you just start going hard about like this connection, this connection. Oh, this is mind blowing. Um, I'm kind of getting to a similar level with this. Um, and yeah, basically we're just going to talk about music. Music. Everybody loves music. music. It's universal language, right? It's so, so good. Um, and there's so much to like about music. Of course, I'm not going to be necessarily jumping into like, you know, this is like a review style thing. Oh, this is the music I like. No, I want to talk, uh, go further. I want to go deeper and talk about music theory itself. I want to talk about sound. And how I believe, like, sound is so, like, just beautifully, scientifically engineered by God, like, to make the just the coolest, most beautiful things ever. Like, that's how I feel about it. That's why I think I'm so interested in it is because I hear music and I... I I've come to a point where I just pick up on things and I'm like, wow, the way that that person made this work, that's so awesome. But of course, all of this wouldn't function without that initial creation. And I just want to start by just explaining like in a really, really basic sense, like what a scale is and and how a scale is like just the fingerprints of God within sound. So, so in, uh, in sound, you have these things called octaves, uh, and it's essentially that the same note is played ascent- higher and higher and lower and lower at just different pitches, but they're yeah, regarded as frequencies, right? Different frequencies, but they're the same note uh, harmonically. So you've got like this is a like a G. Oh, gotta get the the mic nice and close. So this is a G. Can you hear that? Yeah. So this is a G. Oh, there we go. Oh, that's nice. Okay, so this is a G. And then this is also a G. And then this is also a G. And then this is also a G. So all of the notes, you can tell, like, they go higher and higher and higher, but they're all the same note. They harmonically resonate in the in the exact same place. Uh, so those are called octaves. Octaves. And now there's space between each octave. So you have, like, a G, and then you just, you know... Like, sound, you know, the sound keeps rising and there's space. And so we've divided that space in Western music culture into 12 different parts. We've divided that space into 12 and we call it the 12 tone equal temperament system because it's like these 12 um, steps essentially that are perfectly evenly spaced out over over that octave. And to, to visualize that, if you visualize a piano keyboard, that yes. would be going from starting with one key 
any key, mm. for example, middle C, the, the white key in the middle, yeah. and you go up to the next black key, to the white key, to the black key, to the white key, to yes. the white key, to, like, and you go up until you hit that same note again. Yeah, and There's you, 12 notes there. There's 12 notes there between each one of those octaves. Now, something that is so awesome that I real like that I realized not that I realized that it just has existed basically forever is that there's this thing called the major scale you've probably heard it before it sounds like this you've probably heard it as you know do re mi fa sol do or or whatever um essentially like the the major scale takes seven of those notes within that 12 note set and you know that's that's how it functions and it's like i think it's like it starts with the first and then there's a whole step and a half step and we don't need to get into that but something that's so cool about that is that essentially you know because you put then put those notes together into different sequences to make chords you know have like a, in the g in the scale of g you have a g and a c and a d and a minor uh, e minor a b minor and then like a you know f sharp diminished um (laughs) but essentially what's going on there is that those seven notes like outside of this artificial system that we've created scientifically perfectly harmonize together like in seven different spots so what i was trying to say is in seven different spots within that octave that scientifically exists scientifically there's seven different spots that are perfectly harmonious they're outside of any system we've created that it's not some arbitrary thing it just exists works. it just works and, I and it doesn't matter what culture you go to everybody yes. knows this inherently. every everyone knows this because it just exists and i'm like the fact that it's seven it's is pretty cool. So cool. And uh, then, like, different combinations of those notes and going inside and outside of keys. And it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. But from that surface level, I'm like, dude, fingerprints of God. This is so epic. They're everywhere, aren't they? I mm. love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Lawson. And we're going to take some music on board right now. This is Wilder Atkins, I Have Decided.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Lawson. You're listening to Faith FM Radio, and it's come that portion of the show for us to uh, testify mm. and hear some real-life experiences of modern-day people living right now and what God has done in their lives. So today we've got our good friend Mal Venus. Have we got you there, Mal? Yes, you do. Hi, guys. Hey, how hey. are you today? I'm going good, thank you. That's excellent Enjoying to hear. My day off. Oh, good. Well, thank oh, you so, so much good. for donating a little bit of that free time to uh, <laughs> do some ministry for us here on Wine. Real Faith. Hey, um, just Wine. before we get into it, I'd love you to just share a little bit about yourself, just a short spiel. Who is Mal Venus? <laughs> okay, well, first of all, Mal Venus is a daughter of God, yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you are a daughter of God, that's right. <laughs> a daughter of God. Uh, and I'm married to Blake Penland. Uh, we are ministers at Ch- uh, Raymond Terrace Mission Church. I have two kids, Marlon and Nisper. And I work as a nurse, as a manager of nurses. And I love uh, serving the elderly folks. So that's what my job is at currently. And um, yeah, I also love serving at RTN Church. Awesome. Very cool. So it's so awesome to have you on today, Malvinus. And uh, super excited to hear your story. Go for it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, this, this little story, uh, takes me back to, uh, a few years back when I was a single mom. Um, I was going through some challenging times, uh, in every corner that you could think of. And, um, I remember this one particular day I had, I had a car that I named Mercy. The car ran on the mercy of that. I had died. <laughs> so I had borrowed a friend's car to go to school. And I was going to school at Avondale College, but at the Sen back that time, as because I was studying as a nurse, so I needed to go to the Sen. And I borrowed a little red car from a friend of mine, and he says, "Yeah, sure, you can you can use my car, but the car has got a yellow light on it, and you know when the yellow light has oh, come so on, the, the check engine, yes." And so uh, he parked the car the night before, and then I woke up and frantically I was getting ready to get my son on the bus to go to school so that I can jump in the car to go to uh, to Warunga for my classes. As soon as I got into the car, I turned it on and I was like, ah, oh, I forgot that it has a yellow light on. And I'm telling you, as a single mother, I lived on, uh, uh, you know, no money at all. I had no money to put any fuel in this car. So the so yellow I light, like the no fuel light's on. Yeah, so I was like, Lord, I'm just used to, I'm, I'm really getting tired of this, like, ongoing stress. And as soon as that, like, you know, that there's this little song that was going on, I don't know if you know the song from the Heritage Singers, that says, you turned the water into wine. It was going in the background. So I was like, Lord, you have turned water into wine in the past, so I'm going to get in this car and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to drive it to Sydney with no fuel and that because you're a God after all, so... I just got in there. I don't even know if it was fate or it was just desperation. So I got into the car. I started driving. Uh, I don't know if you know Freeman's Drive, like out in Kurumong. Mm. I used to live right by Freeman's Drive. I drove by, passed through an old petrol station, which is about a kilometer from where I used to live. As I drive past another kilometer, I started driving through this petrol station. As I drove through the petrol station, the yellow light disappeared. 
and then the petrol gauge got up and it went to a quarter of a tank while I was driving the car. Wow. And, and, this, and I have to tell you, it's probably one of the very few times I've ever sensed a presence of something supernatural. I was just like, Lord, I knew that you could do something, but I didn't know that you could do something. I was so afraid. I had fear and joy at the same time. It's just like I could not believe that God had done that. I drove the car all the way to Sydney. I arrived at Warunga and I was supposed to sing a song at that time. I didn't sing a song. I couldn't sing a song. I was like, guys, I cannot sing a song. So I have to tell you what happened, that we serve a God who is beyond powerful, who can do above and beyond what you can ever ask or think. Mm. That's what I shared. And I drove the little car all the way back and it just remained in the corner of a tank. When I arrived, guess what happened? He went back to the yellow light, and I was like, "Oh man, I should have paid for a, I should have paid for a full tank." And so <laughs> I want to tell you, I want to tell you, God is good, and God is right now in the business of uh, performing miracles. He's in the business of hearing His children and answering prayers according to your need. And so, yeah, God is so faithful. Amen. I love that. What an amazing story. So. You were driving out, and you had to you had to get the fuel, and there wasn't any fuel, and God gave you the fuel. What, it would have been so amazing to have that experience and to be able to not only have that experience, but to be able to share that experience with others. Absolutely, like I'm telling you, I I cannot, I can still not believe it. Even up to this day, I don't even know how that's possible. But God was like, "Hey, try me." I love that. <laughs> See if I do not open the floodgates of heaven, and literally, <laughs> that's awesome. And to get the opportunity to serve him like that, that's incredible. That's it. That's so that's awesome. Amazing. So cool. So what, whatever you're going through out there, my friends, remember that there's a God in heaven who knows you, who loves you, and has got plans for your life. And uh, when it gets difficult, remember to call out to him in prayer just as you can in the good times. Thank you so much, Malvinas. May God bless no you. No worries, guys. No worries. Thank you so much for inviting me. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. And this song is by Malvinas. Is my name.
Make sure you tune in to The Breakfast Show for giveaways, deep Bible discussions, magnificent music and noteworthy news. All that and much more every weekday morning on Faith FM. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you or the kindness you've shown? Oh, hey. 
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Lawson. You are listening to Faith FM Radio, and uh, we're just about to get into our Bible study segment. But before we get into that, we would love to hear from you guys for our Question of the Week portion. It's an opportunity for you guys to send in your questions so that we can try and answer those for you mm-hmm. and uh, engage with you. We'd love to hear from you on that. Today, if you are the first caller in, you're going to receive a free copy of a book called Patriarchs and Prophets. Epic. And uh, tell us, give, give us, a, this is totally off the cuff, but give me a 10-second spiel on what do you reckon about this book. Okay, 10-second spiel. I read it two years ago. Fantastic read. Um, It's probably, yeah, one of the most, I think, in-depth commentaries on the Old Testament in terms of just really bringing out the essence of the story and, and giving life to it. Really painting, you know, painting it with a colorful brush. That's right. Sometimes you read through the stories and you kind of might miss a bunch of things or you get to the book of Leviticus and you're like, what am I going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this book kind of puts a lot of that into perspective oh, and really yeah. helps connect and unify it to the story of scripture that's the thread that runs through it. Dude, I think particularly like the first 100 pages, like, because the first, uh, we're going to be talking about Genesis chapter two today, but like, you know, the first like 10 chapters of Genesis, like skips, like thousands of years of history and it feels like you know when you read patriarchs and prophets those you know it breaks that time down into like 100 pages or something yeah you know rather than draws just like a lot of lessons rather than just like maybe five that we have in the that's, bible that's and right. it draws out so much and it gives so much color that's what i would love to say about it. it's like it just makes the bible so colorful it makes it so loud and oh, i love fantastic love so it. just so, please so call in with those yes. questions because we'd love to hear from you and the first caller in today is going to get that book and I, I'm hoping that you're going to have the same reaction after you read it that, that Lawson has had. So you can do that by calling 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text us at 0491-064-669, 0491-064-669. Okay, so something else that's on our agenda here. We would love to hear from you in another sense. Essentially, uh, Faith FM is currently, uh, we're running a survey that can help us shape our station, our programs going forward. So visit faithfm.com.au, um, and follow the links to get to the survey. You'll see it right there at the top of the page. And if you fill this survey out, nice quick survey, uh, if you fill it out, you will go into the running to win a $100 gift card. You $100. And it's just any $100 gift card. It's probably like the best gift card deal ever because it's a $100 like Visa. So it's Ooh, basically so you just can a use debit it like card. a credit card. Like, like yeah. literally anywhere. Which is the best idea. Like, people give out gift cards and I'm like... I don't want to shop at Bunnies you know, this week. I don't want to, yeah. But I you don't, don't have to I because you can use this anywhere, <laughs> anywhere they accept that. so good. Anywhere they accept Visa. That's awesome. <laughs> so do that. Where can they do that again? Uh, the Faith FM website. So faithfm.com.au, I might add. There are, there's a few Faith FMs going around. That, awesome. You know, they're not us. So we'd love to hear from you guys on that one because, man, your feedback is to help us on how 100%. we can better meet your needs listening to this station 100% like that's the thing we want to do our best for you guys like we are so blessed to have this platform uh, and uh, we have so much freedom too at Faith FM like we truly do have the ability to shape the radio in a way that is a blessing to you guys so yeah please Get onto it. Awesome. And uh, before we get into our Bible study, we're just going to have a word of prayer and invite God to lead us as we study Scripture. Father in heaven, we just ask that you'd fill us all with your spirit as we dive into Scripture and that you would teach us things that we can apply in our real life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, Lawson, we're going to start in Genesis chapter Mm 2. And uh, just a a super quick summary. Um, Last week, we read Genesis chapter 1, and it goes through the, the zoomed out bird's eye view 
of the creation narrative from day one through six of creating. And then we jumped a little bit of a sneaky sneak peek into Genesis <laughs> chapter two because it's technically part of that same story yeah. of the seventh day where God rested and uh, celebrated what he had made and recognized that he had finished the work and he rested on the Sabbath. Mm. And that brings us to Genesis chapter two, which is a second account of creation. Now it's not a different account in the sense that it's not telling a different story that's not in in mm. in concert or in agreement with. It's just zooming in to day six, essentially, and looking at what did God do on day six in a little bit more detail. Yeah, epic. So um yeah, if you could read for us Lawson verse four through verse seven. Alright, let's go. So Genesis chapter two, verse four, the Bible says, This is the account of creation of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth, for the Lord had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered the land. Then God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Awesome. Okay, couple things that jump out right away. Something that's super interesting here, and I just thought of it, and I, so I thought I'd mention it before I forget. Okay. Is that we're going to, in a, in a few weeks, we're going to wind up reading uh, Genesis chapter 6, which is the flood story. Yes. And what's very fascinating to note is that according to the Genesis 2 account, it says that at this point, how much rain was there? None. None. Mm-hmm. So rain was not a part of the system at this point in Earth's history. Mm-hmm. Water actually comes up out of the ground to water the plants. Yes. Super interesting. So when we get to the flood and you think Noah's talking about rain... This is a foreign concept to these people. Yeah, yeah. So this is just super interesting thought. What jumps out at you here, Lawson? Um, dude, it was it's that very thing. Like I, I you know, you read. I, I have done so many Bible study series, whether it be at church or whatever, where people just start like, "Oh, let's start at Genesis and go through," because it's it's a really awesome place to start. I'd like to see how our was created and but how we ended up in the position that we're in today. You know, this kind of foreshadowing a little bit there to, to Genesis chapter three. Um, but I feel as though like I've read over this so many times that it's like it can you can kind of like you know the the key parts right which is you know what we're going to read about in genesis chapter two is you know him forming man as we've just seen here and and then giving them roles and a purpose and whatnot but yeah just reading that initial thing about uh how like i'm like oh that's so cool like uh i guess scientifically like how the it watered the plants from underneath they had this perfect ecosystem because because for example like if they lived in a world where things were perfect i'm like oh what need would there be for rain if everything was just being perfectly sustained under the ground and they didn't they weren't consuming the resources of the world i'm like this it's a really fitting picture that like you've got this enclosed ecosystem that is functioning perfectly without need for anything outside of it and it's like it's, it's just cool because we can see that this account gives kind of stock to, you know, what, what Moses, because Moses is writing this account of the Genesis story. It gives, it gives a bit of stock to what he's saying that like, oh, there was, there was a plan in place. It just fleshes out here. If you just brush over and say like, oh yeah, there was a world and it worked. It's like, oh no, he's actually getting into the minute details that we can reflect on today. And it's like, oh, that, that makes sense. It's super fascinating that you say that too, because it's it's not the kind of system that you would just make up. 
If yeah. that makes sense, like mm-hmm. who would think of this idea? But God's communicating. No, this is this is how it functioned. Mm. It functioned in a different setting. And there's lots of interesting conjecture that we can look at and try and figure out how exactly mm-hmm. that'll happen. You can look at creation science stuff online and yes. find some interesting stuff there. But um, who knows exactly how it all works? But he's giving some details. Yeah, but it seems like the writer of the story is moving very quickly to you know because if you could talk about this on end and on end and on end like the the little minute details about how exactly this functioned like i'm sure you could we have thousands of books about you know irrigation and botany today like how how the the soil and everything works um but no they skip over it to get to the real point of this story which is verse 7 when God forms man. I love this. Mm. So based on the story, and I know you weren't here last week, but you've got a very good knowledge of scripture. So when God created in Genesis chapter one, what was the method that was expressed in how he was creating? He spoke. He speaks, right? So yeah. God speaks and things come into existence. Mm-hmm. But then it zooms in and it says, hey, God made man. God mm. said, let us make man in our image mm. and make the male, make them female, et cetera, et cetera. But then it zooms in and says, well, this is actually how God made mankind. Yes. And so how does God make mankind? He gets down on the dirt with his knees and he starts to form God with his hand. Sorry, form man with his hands. God is forming man with his hands. Amen. <laughs> and he forms them out of the dust of the earth. Mm. And I love this. this is, there's so much profound meaning of what's going on here. Like God is, God is intimately connected mm. to the people that he's making this is not a job for words. This is a this is a job for hands, mm. right? Like God's going to get down and craft it, almost mm. like you would imagine a potter making a pot. Yeah. And this beautiful intimacy that's being spoken about in this passage, which indicates to us, I think, some powerful truths. Yes. One, God's desire always was and always will be for a close, intimate connection to humanity. Yes. It's Amen. supposed to be very mm. personal. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of cool things happen in this passage. And while I'm thinking of it, before I forget, God gets down and forms him. And then he breathes into his nostrils. Now, I just want you to think about this. God breathes into this nostrils and all of a sudden life begins. It mm-hmm. says he becomes a living being or in the New King James, sorry, the King James, a living soul. Mm-hmm. Nefesh in the Hebrew. He becomes a being. Prior to this, there's just dust, there's breath, but they're not connected, there's no life, there's no soul, there's nothing. It's not like Adam was living up in space, and he was like in the soul department, and he found him and inserted him into a body, yeah, right? Well, like, no. Yeah. God breathes, and this becomes a living soul. Mm. He becomes a human being who who is this thing. And just imagine what it would have been like to open your eyes for the first time, and there is God, the maker with his face right in your face, Mm. right? And you'd wake up and you'd be like, (gasps) first breath, and you'd look up. And if you had the ability to speak at this point, you'd be wondering, who am I? Where am I? What is this? Who are you? Mm. And God has to start explaining to him the story, right? And it's so interesting that, like, everything is already created before this. You know, this doesn't happen within the, the dark, you know, the dark and void abyss, but rather this man wakes up to his perfect environment. Mm. And I feel like it just goes to, ah, oh, man, I'm so so oh, I wish I was here last week because then we could then I could have talked about the Sabbath at the start of chapter two because uh, I got to write an essay uh, last year for uni about how I've, I've 
just just looking at the Sabbath, analyzing it, and just seeing how it's like the whole purpose of it is for again what we we're saying, what you said before about God being so invested in man and his relationship with them, and Sabbath is an example of God just having man's well being at the forefront of his mind mm. within creation because it's like God doesn't need to rest. That's God right. is God is omnipotent, uh, all powerful. Like He doesn't need to stop, but He gives an example to man, and it's like. But that example goes even further than the Sabbath. It's just he, man wakes up to to the perfect creation around him. He sees like what God has done. He sees like oh God doesn't even God doesn't put me out at all. God doesn't put me in a situation where yeah I'm floating in the abyss. God that you know there's no there's no object lesson that I need that you know I can be distant from God and then I'm close to God. No, I'm just always close to God. God is always one step ahead of me. God is always doing the thing that I need. God is always there for me, which is oh so epic. Like I love you it. See that right in the pages here, like right in these this first interaction between God and man. It's just God doing for man what he can because he loves them. I love it. So and, and there's something else that I think is super cool about this, and it's gonna come up again and we'll mention it again later, I'm sure. Mm. But one thing that's really amazing is Adam, as he's called, which in the Hebrew basically means dirt, or dirt man. You know? <laughs> so, it's I love so it. epic. But it basically is this. He's created a perfect, like, like perfect God creates a perfect human being in a perfect world and everything is perfect, right? Mm. He opens his eyes and he sees God. And at this point, he has to ask the question, who are you? Mm. And God would have then explained who he was. Oh, I'm your maker. Mm. I made you. I made this world. And here's the point. Even in a perfect world with perfect human beings, faith is required. Oh, that is so awesome. It's amazing. Mm. Because what's interesting is that Adam is created at this point in the story. He's the last thing created so far. God's going to create a woman in a moment, but you're going to see that this pattern is repeated when we get there. Mm. Adam does not see God create. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have evidence in which to believe in God. First and foremost, he has a relationship with, Yes. And trust to rely on God's word. Yes. First and foremost. And this is powerful because sometimes people will say things like, well, if only I, if I saw God, then I'd believe and that there'd be no need for faith. Well, the reality is that God created in such a way that every single human being has to take something on faith. Mm. And so faith is a necessary component of any relationship ever. Mm. And it's nonetheless, it's not any less real that faith is necessary in a relationship with God, even in a perfect world. Mm, Isn't that fascinating? That's so awesome. And that concept even stripped back is that like, because what is required in faith and in love is that freedom of choice. Ooh, that even, get there. Oh, oh, so good. good. That even that freedom of choice was, was given at the beginning because like if God really has his best intentions for humanity to have that loving relationship, that would need to exist. We see it right here. Totally. And we're going to get to that in great detail after this next break. This is Chris McClarney, Breathe on Me, Breath of God. Yeah. 
welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Lawson on Faith FM Radio. We are stoked to have you guys with us. Mm-hmm. And Lawson's got just some sort of public service announcement. Oh, yeah. So we talked about this survey earlier that you can do on faithfm.com. The survey. The survey that is really awesome because, you, you know, there's heaps of different options there. You can just select what you like, what you'd like to see from the show and really just shape um shape our station going forward and we can just give you the best content that we possibly can but i did actually misspeak i mentioned that there was a giveaway for a 100 dollars gift card and you know i unfortunately i shared some false information about that i found out from faith of mhq that we don't actually have one gift card to give away but rather we have 10 gift ten. cards to give so away you have 10 times the chance <laughs> 10 times the chance so <laughs> you should really get in there and do a survey 100% like uh, I, I get the other people in your house to do one as well because dude, then your household has the chance of winning it it's like yeah, even greater right that's like radio competitions are always won by like offices and stuff because they just get every off- person in the office to like call up the same station I reckon you should get onto just, it just get, get onto, onto it. it that's your family that's your co-workers like that's right and you guys oh, so good and obviously as well like it's it's a blessing for all of us because then we can just give you guys the best content we can. That's right. And on that very note, uh, just another shameless plug. We'd love to hear from you for your question of the week yes. portion. And the uh, first person who calls in is going to receive a free copy of Patriarchs and Prophets, which mm-hmm. goes into fleshing out a lot more of the detail of the Old Testament story and weaving that together. So if you'd like to get your questions in about whatever you like, we would love to hear from you at 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text us at 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. All right, so God has made man in the story mm-hmm. He's breathed his first breath as a human being. Mm. He awakes to life. And just imagine how it would have looked. Mm. And now we're going to continue. So let's read from verse 8. Well, I can't remember where. So read through from 8 ah, eight through 14. 8 through 14. Okay, the Bible says this. Then the Lord God planted... Actually, 8 through 9. <laughs> eight, so just verse just 8, eight nine. 9. Okay. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Awesome. So before we get too far, because in, ver- in verse 15, 16, and 17, it's going to give us a little bit more information about those trees. Mm-hmm. Right. But I want you to think about this for a moment. God created the whole world. Mm-hmm. And notice that it says something. He does something with Adam at this point. He makes him, and then he does something. What does he do with him? He places him in a garden. Okay, now think about this for a moment. If God placed Adam in the garden after he made him, where did God make him? Outside of the garden. In the wilderness. Yeah. Now think about this. There's so much profundity to this. Mm -hmm. And I, I think this is a really valuable thing to think about. God's intention for Adam was to place him in the garden. He was going to be in a place where he was crafting things and, and, you know, God has made the natural world amazing. It does all its own stuff. But there's something special about a garden because a garden is, ex- and it's, it's a witness that there is some mind putting it into mm-hmm. the right place. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not making it happen, right? So humanity doesn't make the plants grow. It doesn't make any of those things happen, but it has an influence on how it appears and where it grows. Yes. And, and you get to see that, that there's, a, there's this mind behind it, right? Mm. 
So God's intention is to put man in the garden. He's going to tame the world, etc. But what's really profound about this is that before he gets into a place where things are controlled, he's actually got to come from a place that is not controlled. Oh, wow. Right? He's in the wilderness. He's got to come through wilderness. God takes him from wilderness and places him into the plan. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And so you read this. You see this theme of wilderness in Scripture a lot. Where are the children of Israel coming from? Egypt, and where do they go through? The wilderness. Mm-hmm. Now, that time didn't need to be 40 years if they hadn't done <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they hadn't you know, disobeyed God, they could have been going through the wilderness for a shorter time. But I think the point is mm. really profound. Where does Jesus go? He's baptized. He's sent by the Holy Spirit. Where? Into the wilderness. The mm. wilderness is a place of growth. Yeah, and the wilderness wow. is a place that God mm-hmm. leads you, not so that you can stay there, but so that God will bring you through there into the greater plan and purpose that he has for your life. Oh, wow. That that is, is, I just think it's profound. Oh, that is such an epic point. That's so good. Oh, I, you know, we, we were talking about the wilderness recently at church. Um, you know, we've just been, we're doing a series at my, my local church, the Newcastle University Adventist Church, uh, on the book of Matthew. Um, and it's called A Really Big Thing. And it's just about, you know, Matthew in particular. It's a book that is written in the context of sharing the story of Jesus with the Jewish world. Um, and convincing them that like this, came from somewhere, which is our scripture. Like what we already believe Jesus came from here. And it, t- and it talks about the experience of Jesus in the wilderness and something that we kind of picked out of that and something that we saw in that is this this idea of like, you know, Jesus's experience on the in the wilderness is so difficult, so hard, you know, but what it represents is basically where man has failed, God will not. Boom. Even Woo. in the place of man. And so, again, Adam is living this experience even pre-sin because he's he's having this going through the wilderness. It's like, who takes him through the wilderness? It's God. Boom. The only way he can get through is with God. And it's so it's just a, a powerful illustration that runs even that. I've never really seen that it's before. It's pretty rad, that, isn't it? Dude. Pretty cool. Good stuff. Well, we we stole it. That you know, no, no ideas are original. So. Amen. What do they say? The, uh, the the this is a Lyle Southwell saying. Actually, the the first three rules rules in evangelism. Plagiarize, plagiarize, plagiarize. 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 That's right. <laughs> so All right. So good. let's keep reading. Let's read from ten through fourteen. All right. So the Bible says in verse ten, a river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. The first branch called Pishon flowed into the. Uh, around the entire land of Havilah, where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onyx stone are also found there. Keep reading to 14. Yeah. The second branch, called the Gihon, flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east of the land of Ashur. The fourth branch is called the Euphrates. So one of the, the the difficulties when we read this is that we don't actually know exactly what the world looked like before the flood, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we don't really know exactly where these rivers are. There's lots of conjecture among scholars. This means this place or that place. Sure. But the truth is, we really don't know. Mm. So I don't have any really comments on this part of the, <laughs> of the text, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you've got anything no, to say. No, I don't, I don't really have anything to say. Because <laughs> it's, it's fair enough. Like, And there would be because like we have existing rivers or, you know, what is... is and perhaps the riverbeds would have been from the same places. Yeah. Perhaps uh, not. You know, and like... The flood changed the landscape significantly. By the time you come down to, you know, the... 
when Israel is a country in the in around the 1000 period BCE where it's like they knew like of the Euphrates they had the Euphrates I don't know about and and and, and Moses is making mention to some of the the countries that would go on to exist the land of Cush yeah. and whatnot of course he's he is in placing those into the story because they didn't exist yet he's giving us some idea but it's so long ago and it's it's before that frame of reference where we really have record of what's going on there. So yeah, so it's tough to it's tough to figure out exactly where those things were, but mm-hmm. it's of interest. Yes, hundred percent. All right, well let's read fifteen through seventeen. Okay, the Bible says this the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit you are sure to die. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a hectic passage, but I th- this is one of the most profound things. And some people, you know, some people historically have read this passage and they think, man, God's a tyrant. Oh, mm-hmm. how could God do this? Because what's God essentially doing? He's, he's basically putting a test in, right? There's, yeah. here is the opportunity. Some people would call it a test. Some people would be really uncomfortable with that and they would, they would need to use a different word. You could call it God's giving them an out. I think mm-hmm. the simplest way to say this is that the undergirding thing. And in fact, if I remember correctly, this is the very first words that we hear God speak to humankind. The very first words. So if you think about the first time something appears in scripture is significant. Yes. It identifies something huge. Mm -hmm. What is the very first thing? Because remember, the the woman has not been created. So when God speaks to them, the blessings in Genesis chapter 1, and he says, be fruitful and multiply, this precedes that. This comes Mm -hmm. before. Before God said, have dominion over the earth, God said this. Before God said anything about rest or anything about diet, this this comes before any of the blessings that come in Genesis chapter Mm. 1. What's the very first thing that God gives them? Um, Well, a tree. Yep. But then it's like a death, right? Is Is that what you're trying to get to? It's choice. Choice, yes. Think about this. Think Mm -hmm. about this, right? So Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, 16, 17. He says, this is what God says. The first words, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Point number one. The first thing that God says is you have immense freedom. Mm -hmm. Take a look around you. All these trees. I imagine there were lots of them. Yeah. You may freely eat. Mm -hmm. You may eat and eat, eat all these things. And then he says this, and this is so much more significant than this significant than even that. Number one, God gives them a bunch of stuff free, lots of choice. And then he says, but of the tree, singular, one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. So God gives them an immense amount of freedom, mm-hmm. and he gives one limiting factor. One, I imagine mm-hmm. there were thousands of trees. One limiting factor, and he says, in the day that you eat of that tree, you shall die. Right? Dying you shall die, it literally says in the Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Now think about this, right? The first thing that God says to man, undergirding everything else, is you have choice. Oh, wow. And those choices will bear fruit. Yeah, they have consequences. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And this is huge. This is absolutely huge. People don't understand how huge this is. Mm -hmm. And to me, this is one of the most profoundly beautiful things in all of Scripture. Mm. The very first thing that God gives is freedom of will. Yes. Freedom of will and responsibility that comes with it. Mm -hmm. You are responsible to... You know, experience the mm. consequences, the outcomes of your choices. Mm. This is huge. Mm. Because and you might say, why, Robbie? Why is this such a big deal? Why is this such a good thing? Because God values your choice and your freedom to choose so much that it's undergirding everything else that he does. Mm. He, 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 he 
values that so much more than the potential benefits he could gain from your relationship. That's with right. Him. Like, like the thing, yeah, he, oh, which is powerful because it's, this is like, where God is being self-sacrificial, putting this tree there. Like from the beginning, you know, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people read this and it's like, why would God not mitigate that risk? You know, why would God not like, if you have that risk there, why would you keep it there? Why would you put them in this position? And it's because God is so loving. That's right. Because God is so self-sacrificial, because God is so intensely invested in the human experience that they get to live as he does, because that's what, that's the whole point is I've created you in my image. And part of that image is the fact that God can do whatever he wants. Right. He can choose. He can, which is cho- choice. No, yeah. no, like, yeah, that <laughs> doesn't mean that God would do everything, but it's oh, God for sure. can do everything. For sure. And why is this so significant? Because without choice, love cannot exist. Yeah. 100%. Love cannot exist without choice. So in order for God to be accurately called love, there must be choice. And here's the thing. If God did not provide them an opportunity to opt out, mm. then God did not make them truly free. Yes. So what does God make here? He makes truly free moral agents, truly free human beings who can choose to respond to him in love, obedience, trust, mm. or can choose to respond to him in distrust, disobedience, and walk away. And another thing that's really significant about this is it, you know, sometimes people read this and like God said, if you eat from that tree, you'll die. Or they'll say things like, oh man, that tree must have been poisonous. God put a poisonous tree in there. No, this is all to. stupid. Mm. This is all ridiculous, right? What's going on here? No, there's nothing poisonous or venomous about mm. the tree. The issue is that disobedience to God leads to destruction. Yes. Right? Yes. If you want to cut yourself off from the source of life, the natural consequence of that is going to be death, mm-hmm. right? You can't live outside of God's way of of God's way that he's constructed the entire universe to exist in and and think it's going to be I can just mm. operate however I want no it doesn't work you unplugging yourself from the life source 100% another thing that I think is super significant here is that he, sometimes we get confused with the difference between liberty and license mm. liberty is I am free to operate within the boundaries of design mm. Licenses, I can do whatever I want and expect to not have any of the natural consequences from that. If you got a fish and the fish is very free, he's in the ocean, he's got very few limitations. Mm. He can swim wherever he wants, do whatever he wants, but if he flops out of the water, he's going to suffocate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the freer fish? The one that's on the land or the one that's on the water? Ooh. The one that's got the, the, the miniature restriction of being inside the boundaries of design, he's the freest fish. Yeah. So anyway... These are some awesome thoughts. God cares about your free will. This is Aaron Neville. Morning has broken. Morning has broken like the first morning. Blackbird has spoken like the first bird. Praise for the singing, praise for the morning, praise for them springing fresh from the world. Sweet the rain's new fall, sunlit from heaven. Like the first dew fall on the 
first caress Praise for the sweetness of the wet garden Strong and completeness where his feet pass The sunlight, mine is the morning, born of the one light, Eden so plain. Praise with elation, praise every morning, cause recreation of the new day. back to Real Faith with Robbie and Lawson. You were listening to Faith FM Radio, and uh, we're going to do one more shameless plug before we have our, our next break. And uh, that shameless plug is that we would love, absolutely love to hear from you. We love hearing mm-hmm. from you guys. And uh, the questions can be big or small, but shoot some questions at us. They could be questions about this Bible study, last week's Bible study, something else. Questions, comments as well. Yeah, com- we'd just, love to hear just, from you. Yeah, just text us. So the, uh, the first person to call in is going to get a free copy of a book called Patriarchs and Prophets, which mm-hmm. goes through the stories of the Old Testament and gives some exciting commentary helps to kind of connect all the stories together and connect the dots so Mm. first person to call is going to get a free copy of that and you can do that by calling 1-800-324-843 that's 1-800-FAITH-FM or you can text us at 0491-064-669 awesome so yeah like we were saying it's it's an amazing thing the very first thing that god communicates audibly to mankind is that you have the freedom to choose the outcomes that you want in life. Mm. This is huge. Mm. Absolutely huge. He gives him an immense amount of freedom, one very small restriction. And we've learned that really the the truth is that if you want to be free, you want to be the freest person that you can ever be, Mm -hmm. then you're going to choose to operate in the boundaries of your own design. Mm -hmm. That's the best way that you can flourish as a human being. Yes. Because yeah, I love that fish illustration. It's Mm. like, yeah, if you operate outside of the boundaries of design, you're, you're, your argument for freedom is illustrated by you dying. Essentially. That's right. right. Like your, your death is an argument for how, like your system of, how, how good your system of freedom is. Totally. Whereas it's like, you know, God's system of freedom was one that led to, you know, life ultimately. And one of the challenges that we often have with this is that sometimes we just don't see the consequences. Now think about this. Mm. This is huge. So what does he say? He says, in the day that you eat of it, dying, you shall die. Now here's the challenge. When you read Genesis 3, which we'll be going through next week, they eat of the fruit. Oh, spoiler alert, sorry. Um, <laughs> and the world gets, you know, the way it is. Yeah. But here's the point. 
there was a spiritual death that comes immediately, mm. right? There's a death of the heart, so to speak. There's a death of, I have now fallen from grace, so to speak. Mm. I have, I have stepped out of the place where I am in total harmony with God. Mm. Like I'm in total union with his spirit, with his will, all of those things. And then man steps out of that. That's, that's a spiritual death. But the reality is there was a physical death that took yeah. place too. It just didn't find its completion in that moment but the process of physical death begins right then when they eat the fruit which is ties in with what you're saying which is that the reality is sometimes we don't see the consequences of acting outside of design immediately mm-hmm. and because we don't see the the problems immediately often we continue to go in these directions that are for our detriment mm. And we don't see it until the consequences rear their ugly head as they get down the track. And so this is the interesting thing that I've just thought off then. And this actually is a reference to our uh, our giveaway book that, that we're giving away, Patriarchs and Prophets. So uh, within that book, it talks about how when this initial things happen, I don't want to get too much into this because we're covering it next week. But when that initial, you know, that eating of the fruit happens, they step away. They see the wilting of the trees. Mm. They see a flower fall from the tree and fall on the ground and, you know, just wilt as, as we see today. You know, you, you have any experience of autumn and, and you see, you know, flowers fall all the time. But it's like to them, uh, upon seeing that, it was like great, the patriarchs and prophets says great sadness and sorrow befell upon Adam and Eve because they were seeing the consequences of their actions within, you know, just the flower falling. What's so interesting, and and I can say this is so true within the Christian experience, is that the further we go down that track, it's actually the less we see it. Yeah, because we become desensitized. We become desensitized. So it's like that initial decision, which for them was to eat the fruit. They saw a flower fall and were moved to absolute sorrow because they understood what this would lead to. Now it's like, it's only in a couple generations. Well, the next generation is like murder. Takes murder. Yeah, like it, it goes on. from being saddened by seeing a flower die to ultimately being desensitized to a person dying. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is the, this is the direction of the world that. The, the way that we've had it. Again, I don't want to get into it too much. So we'll get into that a bit more Ooh. next week. Yeah. We might have to ask you if you can come back on next week. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right. So let's keep reading. Let's read from verse 18 through 20. All right. The Bible says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. Awesome. So, you know, it's interesting that you read through Genesis 1 and the resounding theme, the refrain, so to speak, the chorus is, God saw what he had made and saw that it was good. Good. Mm -hmm. And here is the first time in scripture where we have the words that something is not Good. Now here's the question. He says he looks at man, sees that man's alone, and he says it is not good that man should be alone. Now here's the question. Did God make a mistake? Had God like, oh, oops, oh, oh, this is not good. Oops, I looked down, my bad. Oh, I forgot something. Is that what's going on here? Clearly not. Clearly not. Mm. But what I love about this is that I think this gives a huge indication. What people wonder about is why, why would God do this? And clearly, God must be doing it intentionally because God doesn't make mistakes, mm. right? God is perfect. God is complete. God didn't make 
woman as an afterthought, as some people would try and argue, yeah, well, <laughs> right? mm. which is just not the case. What's amazing to me here is that God creates man as a single person. Mm. And he has value as a single person. God's Oof. image is reflected most perfectly in the family unit, right? Mm-hmm. In a community. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that the children have less value because they're not married, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They're single and they're creating the image of God and they're a part of the image of God as that family when that comes. And what's amazing to me is this. God creates Adam and before he even makes the possibility for him to have a partner, for him to have a wife, a spouse, God intentionally creates him single, intentionally gives him a job, which means he's got purpose, mm-hmm. and his purpose was apart from having a partner. Yeah. And this is something I think we mess up in our Western church culture too much. Yes. We, yes. we devalue. By, and here's one of the challenges that we face as a church. We should uphold and value the traditional biblical view of marriage, which we're about to get into in great detail. Mm. But the reality is that sometimes when we're trying to uphold that, we devalue the significance of people at the single part of a life mm. journey, which might be for the rest of their life. They might not get married. And does that mean that they're unfulfilled? They can't live a fulfilling life. They can't represent the image of God in any way or capacity. Absolutely not. Secondly, I think it's also significant that before he has a partner, he has a purpose. Yes. This is the other thing I was going to say is that often in the Western church, well, we devalue the steps that it takes to be with someone. Uh, we, we, we can, you know, I'm, I'm not against people getting married young or, you know, whatever, but it's like, it's clear here that they had a direction mm. beforehand. Um, and you could probably attest to this, Robbie, as a married man, like yeah. this idea of like, Dude, relationships without that inherent self-purpose just end up in shambles. Like, right. like we, you know, we can ascribe lots of modern terms to this, you know, the idea of dependency and, de- de- you know, codependent relationships and, you know, because it's relationships devoid, devoid on purpose when you're focusing on the other person too much and you, you kind of need them to be around and you're not, you're not comfortable in it of yourself. This is, this, God understood this, you know, this very, Even like, in a perfect world, in a perfect world in the very beginning, you know, like, again, we put very modern terms around this. This is like a, a new development that we understand because, because of modern psychology, but clearly from the Bible, God has always understood this. That's right. He built it into who we are. Yes. And I believe that the way that the, the pattern of the direction that he makes, the order, I should say that in which he makes mankind shows this. Mm. And he does it intentionally for two reasons, I believe. One, to teach the man this lesson that you need to understand your loneliness before you're ready. You need to have a purpose before you have a partner. You need to know that who you are in God before you're ready to care for anyone else's mm-hmm. needs. Mm-hmm. And it's not until that point where he can understand his loneliness. He goes out and he's given a job. Hey, go name all the animals, homie. And he goes out <laughs> and he's named. That's probably not what he said, but that's kind of the Robbie vernacular, <laughs> the California version. <laughs> and so he makes he makes him in this position. He gives him a purpose, a job. He says, "Hey, your job is to care until for the till the soil. You're to care for this garden. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna do this thing, and then." Here, go name all the plants. and the, Sorry, not the plants, the animals. Go name mm. them all. And he goes and sees, paired, 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 paired. And he starts to wonder, hang on a second, everybody else has got a pair. What's the difference with me? What's what's going on? There's mm. nobody here who's going to help me. Mm. How am I going to, how are we supposed to have like, 
what, what, I don't understand. Mm. And through this process, he experiences some level of loneliness that's a good experience that God does intentionally for him to realize his need for a partner. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That is so, that is so profound. It's huge. Because you could do a whole series on that. Dude, the experience of needing God, which we see as something like happened in a very real sense after the fall of man, like in the, in the sense that like, you know, we see, um, for example, like God teaches his people through the object lesson of the captivity. Like, because it's like they've completely just left God and they've been given the consequences of their action. And that was intended. To teach them, like, you need me. Like, mm-hmm. you need me to get anywhere. Oh, the experience in the wilderness. Another perfect example of yeah, the yeah. murmurers, the complainers. And it's like God gives them a taste of the consequences of them, of them being far from him, which is not God hurting them, but God letting them be hurt because that is the nature of the world that they live in, is one of her. In fact, uh, it's clear here that even before the fall of man, like this world uh, without God and that understanding that need for God is just one of hurt and one of pain and one yeah. of struggle and and God is giving them that experience of like of of loneliness and of needing to rely on him first and it's interesting as well because again Adam was made in the image of God God wants him to have a human res- experience that is reflective of his experience and Adam like upon learning this lesson would be able to then go and teach others it you know he's going right. to have family he's going to have generations that come after him and, and it gives him a pattern upon which to to base their experience to, too. to teach to right. to be responsibility a responsibility to show others yeah. but yeah wait, let's keep let's keep going awesome so let's stuff. go from 21 and we're going to read to the end of the chapter now all right the bible says this so the lord god caused man to fall in a deep sleep while man slept the lord god took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening then the lord god made women woman uh, made a woman <laughs> from the rib and he brought her to the man at last the man exclaimed this one is bone from my bone this flesh is from my flesh she will be called woman because she was taken from man this explains why man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one now the man and his wife were both naked but they felt no shame oh there's so much immense significance in this we've only got like two minutes before the break but um oh there's so much going on in here Mm. no number one that i think is super significant and we mentioned this before but it's worth reiterating here adam had to experience life in a perfect world with a perfect god and a perfect creation Mm. as a perfect human being he had to experience faith. Mm. And guess what? When God goes to make the woman, he puts who into a deep sleep? Adam. Adam. Mm. So Adam does not receive the privilege of watching God make the woman, which means that he still has to act in faith, trusting that God is the creator that he has said he is. There's still an element of faith. And when he makes the woman from the rib pulled out of his side, of, of the side of Adam, and he forms her with his hands and breathes the breath of life into her body, she wakes up and has the same experience. Mm. So neither man nor woman had a privilege here of seeing God making things. No, they both had to experience and exercise some level of faith, even in a perfect world. Mm. Both of them had that experience. And she knew that she was made not just for man, but made by God for God. Mm. And that she had a unique individual experience with God before she was brought to her spouse and that both of them were identified by God as having significance and value to him, mm. and their purpose was for him prior to coming together. And if we 
can figure that out for ourselves and experience that, that we have individual purpose and value and, a, and a, that God has got plans for us, we figure that out before we find a partner, then when we find a partner, we're going to be much more ready for the new plan because remember, when God has them both together, he gives them a new job, a new purpose, be mm. fruitful, multiply, have dominion over the earth, yes. not just the garden, the earth. Yes, yes. Right? So we see this significance, this this plan changes and alters because when you got two people joined together, the purpose is not just the old purpose. It's a new purpose. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Oh, There's so, so much to be said here. We're yeah. going to have to come back to some of this after the break, I reckon. And uh, <laughs> we're going to get some more stuff out of this. But I love this because there's so much deep, profound stuff going on in the way that God has mm. created humanity. And we're going to get back into more of that when we come back. But we're going to come back to our question of the week before that. So go for a break. And remember, you can call in for the question of the week. This is Josh Wilson. What a mystery. a garden there was a man he was so lonely but god had a plan god had a plan he fell asleep but never could dream he'd wake up to the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen but there she was and there you are To make my heart new And I am more like Him When I'm with you When I'm with you Oh, you are so patient You are so kind yeah. You are my favorite way God shows His light in my life oh, 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 oh. What a mystery Somehow you and me Are a picture of a greater love That someday we will see Yeah, what a mystery And day by day we'll chip away All the things that don't belong Every shadow, every wrong Until we find deep down inside The glory we forgot The
the evidence is against cells forming by themselves. It's absolutely impossible. And that's why, to me, living systems are overwhelming evidence of a supernatural creator. This week on Signs of the Times Radio. Let's say the right circumstances cropped up for life to come into being. That doesn't explain how we humans, as living, breathing beings with a consciousness, is possible. Signs of the Times Radio on Faith FM. Check your schedules for airing times or listen to past episodes on the podcast page at faithfm.com.au. Garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. The voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And He walks with me, and He talks with me, and He tells me I am His own. And the joy that we share. As we tarry there, nobody else has ever known He speaks and the sound of His voice All the birds hush their singing And the melody that He gave to me is in my heart Just ringing, 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 ringing And He walks with me And He talks with me And he tells me I am his own And the joy that we share As we tarry there Nobody else has ever known Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie Ann Lawson, and I'm just wondering what time it might be. Let's go. <laughs> awesome. So our first, well, I think I have one question, sorry. Um, oh, our question awesome. today is coming in from Margie. And uh, sorry if I if I butcher your name, I, I apologize. Margie, Margie Grant Eidsfold. So thank you so much for your question, Margie. And the question is, dun, dun, dun. When God gave Eve to Adam, 
uh, sorry, was the first marriage when God gave Eve to Adam without a marriage ceremony? And also, when did the first marriage come into being as we know it today? And that's a great question, Margie. And, um, you are going to be receiving a free copy of Patriarchs and Prophets coming to you. So make sure you send your details through and, uh, Shell will get that organized. But, um, the, there's a couple of quick things that I'd love to say about this. And, um, in Genesis, the first question. So the first part of the question is, was this the first marriage ceremony? And I would say yes. And there's a couple of reasons for that textually. So number one, in Genesis chapter two, verse 22, it says, then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made or formed into a woman. And then it says this, and he brought her to the man. So point number one, similar to the way that we see in our, at least in a Western ceremony, a father typically is bringing, or the parents typically, or the guardians, whoever is, has had that kind of role in a person's life, typically come and present the woman to the man in a marriage ceremony, a wedding ceremony. It's symbolic of that same kind of thing. You've got the father, the creator here, presenting the woman to the man that they are now going to become one unit. The second part that makes this clear is that when you come down to verse 24, after Adam makes his big proclamation, it says, therefore, and like we talked about a couple weeks ago, anytime there's a therefore, you got to ask, what's it there for? And it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And we're going to flesh that out, <laughs> no pun intended, a little <laughs> bit after the question of the week. Um, but the point here is that, it's setting the standard. Moses is mm. writing down, this is the reason that we do marriage. Mm. Because this was the example. Yes. One man, one woman, that's the reason that we follow this pattern. Mm. So that identifies again further that this was a form of ceremony. Now, what we don't have at that time is civil laws and civil government. Yeah. But there, and also we don't have a community to approve of that. But mm-hmm. since that time, marriages have been done in every culture as far back as history goes in every culture and every time and typically has followed the same similar pattern and that there is, whether there's a civil government or there is more of a tribal system, that the the community at large has a system for recognizing and honoring that mm. union of families. And there's, mm. there's always some sort of ceremony, typically. may not be exactly what we talk about in a Western context as a ceremony with a civil stamp of the government, because not all, all cultures and 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 civilizations have operated under that system, but that that ceremony does take place at some level in those. One other place that I'd like to mention is Malachi. So it's the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 2, verse 11 says something very fascinating about this. It says this. It says, and God is speaking here and is making a complaint about Israel. And he says this. He says, Judah has dealt treacherously. And an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Why, you might ask. He says, for or because Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. So what institution is this? What is this holy thing that God has made that he loves? It says this, he has married the daughter of a foreign god. And so he's saying they have, they have profaned the purpose of marriage union, which is to be united in God forming a family following this pattern that we see laid out in Genesis chapter 2 or Genesis chapter 1 and 2 technically. So, yeah, as far as going back into the history books of the first the first marriage ceremony as we know it, um, I've, I had a very short time, sorry to look that up, but um, we can try and send you some stuff through if that's helpful, but there's debate. I've looked up a couple of articles and um, 
There is a bit of debate about where that comes from. Early Mesopotamian marriages are evidenced in history from, mm. you know, about 4,000 years ago-ish. Yeah. So similar to kind of the time of the writing of the Bible, similar time period there. Um, yeah. So from at least that far back in secular sources, we have evidences of marriage. We have evidences of marriage ceremonies throughout the Old mm-hmm. Testament as well. So yeah, hopefully that's helpful to you. Great question, Margie. Anything you'd like to add, Lawson? Oh, I was just going to say, like, like the the idea of marriage and the institution of marriage is such a good thing. Like, I, the, I think there's a reason uh, why it's existed in every culture is because it's like, uh, you know, I I think like there are a lot of cultures that you could say it's like their practices and the orthodoxies that are within their culture or their religion or whatever seem to be far from God. But marriage, like being one of the first institutions in the Bible also, you know, along with the Sabbath, like there's a reason it exists and it's because it's so inherent to the human nature Mm. to be joined with someone. Like I feel like that's really at the end of the day, like what a lot of people are seeking, like particularly in our very kind of, loose western world where it, there seems to be a promotion amongst the people that the mar- marriage isn't a bad thing but it's like oh you know have that experience be with lots of people da 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 whereas it's like there's still something inherent within us where, where that in itself isn't fulfilling yeah like I, I feel like it's almost a and it seems to be this way that like you know uh like I was going to say something, but I don't know if I should. But essentially, I would say probably so those people who engage in lots of different relationships with lots of different people are like very unsatisfied by holding that psyche and by engaging in that. Like it's uh, statistics show that the most satisfied people relationally are those in committed monogamous marriages uh marriages or relationships like monogamy is so important to relationship satisfaction and i i just you know i'm not talking from a statistic standpoint even though statistic backs it backs it up but i just know from life you know i, I grew up you know not a christian i have lots of friends who growing up just being around that culture and just knowing that like people were engaging in that and i still know those people today who just engage and they're, they're not people who will like commit to a relationship rather they'll just be with lots of different people and in lots of different capacities and ways and like i can just say that those people aren't necessarily living a happy life if anything they're 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 some of the most struggling people i see like in terms of how they're going in terms of their emotions how they're how they're feeling about their life and their purpose there's that just that disconnect where they they can't really they can't really they can't really seem to to uh you know make things stick and land for them but ultimately yeah that's because god's way is is the best way that's evidenced you know no matter how far we move away from him we we just see it we just see it it's it's a bright light shining on us that yeah. influence so yeah yeah fully so awesome thanks for your question margie we'll be sending out that book to you and uh yeah keep the questions coming everybody we would love to hear from you guys and if we can't get to it now we'll get to it next time this is maria king
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Lawson. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. Thanks again to Margie for sending in your question. Keep them coming for next week and um, super excited. So we've got a couple more comments that I'd love to make on oh, this yeah, passage before stuff. we get through. And um, uh, we, we touched on a little bit in the question of the week, but I think I think it's really worth talking about. When it comes into this passage, there's just there's this amazing thing that takes place. Mm-hmm. And it's this this amazing passage in the, the last couple of verses, two things that I think are really worth talking about just briefly, and then we'll draw out some applications for us for today. Verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Mm. Now, this is super significant because this actually demonstrates something about the image of God that humanity is supposed to portray. What's amazing about this is when it says the word one there, the word is not rigidly singular. It's not talking Mm. about one physical body. Mm. The word there is a word that essentially means unity. Yes. They are united. Mm-hmm. They are they are so closely aligned that it's as if they are one. Mm-hmm. So it's not saying that like when you get married you become some sort of weird chimera <laughs> conglomerate Siamese <laughs> twin kind of like thing. But wouldn't um, it be epic, epic I, if that happened? I, 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 maybe, I tend to disagree, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think people who are actually um, in, in, in marriage relationships are like, No, that would be awful. Imagine yeah, having to it, be connected to yeah, my significant other yeah, twenty four seven. That's right. <laughs> so it's it's not like it's not trying to say some weird thing, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But the reality is that when in the, what's called the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, the most famous prayer of Israel, mm. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Mm. It's the same word as this. Mm. So when we talk about God being one, it's actually the same as it's what it's talking about here. There's a real connection to how a man and a woman, when they come together in marriage and become a family unit that can then create, procreate life. Mm. What's talking about here is it's saying this in some real significant way is real, is, is, is exposing or expressing the image of God in a significant way. Father, Son, Spirit connected in such a way of selfless, other-centered love mm. and being so united in purpose and function that they've got different roles, different responsibilities. A man and a woman have different responsibilities. And I'm, yeah. not, I'm not talking just about, you know, cultural, um, gender roles, but, but like biologically, yes. the man is the, the donator of the sperm and yes. the woman is it's, the carrier of the child, right? Yes. And the nurse, the, the nursing component, right? Mm. That's a biological functional difference mm. that whatever gender roles you choose to have or not have in your marriage, regardless, that is significant. And this, I think, highlights that there is, functional difference within the Godhead, not because the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are are made up of different things, but they voluntarily take different roles, Mm. right? Isn't that interesting? The Father is the one who stays in heaven. The Son is the one who comes and expresses in bodily form the 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 will of god the spirit is the one that's acting in each person like you see this beautiful thing about the image of god there i think it's amazing sorry last thing no no good stuff um the last thing that i think is really cool is they were both naked and they were unashamed Mm. they were and when you're in a place where you can be totally exposed totally vulnerable and totally safe that's a place where shame cannot exist Mm. and that's what we see in the original creation yes no shame Totally vulnerable, totally exposed, and totally secure. It's that, yeah, it's that lack of isolation that ultimately causes you. Because, uh, yeah, the classic, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of speakers talk about this. Again, plagiarism. Uh, you know, this idea that, that what what sin ultimately causes is isolation between God and isolation between others. Yeah. Uh, but when that doesn't exist, you know, when the when there is that 
united harmony, especially in this sense of marriage, right? Where it's like fully naked, fully unashamed because you're sharing life with someone. And the way, you know, because it's like the way that God is one and the way that this marriage unit is one, it's like, cause that's also functioning in the way that humanity is one with God. Mm. Like that we have that, that such deep connection that we are, yeah, we are completely vulnerable. It's, they were literally naked, but it was representing like their psyche at the time, which was that, that you know, there was nothing to hide, which is, imp- oh man, it's, it's impossible. Like that's, you know, to think about this in, in our context, because, because of sin, because of that isolation, like there are all things that we are struggling with personally. There are all things that we are trying to hide yet, yet, um, you know, it's, it's fantastic. This is all ultimately alluding to the, the restoration that would come in the end. Like, I love it. Like that Jesus, you know, I'm not making this point to say like, Oh, you know, and we're going to be naked in heaven. I, 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 don't, I don't know. But what we will be in heaven is, is vulnerable again and secure vulnerable. Yeah, that's it. Vulnerable, vulnerable and, and secure. secure. Because that. isn't that interesting that that word vulnerable always has the connotation of something that is highly at risk and needs to change. Yeah. Whereas this is a vulnerability that's no longer at risk. I love it. It's a vulnerability that is, is worth sharing is worth experiencing because there is no worry. There is no pain, sin. There's nothing that can take away from that experience. I love it. All right. So lastly, we've just got a a minute and a bit here. So, um, some things that we can draw out and personally apply in our life today. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple that come to my mind. One is that if you want to be truly free, first of all, God values freedom so much that he gives freedom before he gives anything else. Mm. But that freedom also comes with some boundary lines, and those boundary lines are the freedom of your design. Mm. And if you want to live a truly free life and be the the, the flourishing, freest life that you can live, it comes in surrendering to God's designs. Yes. And that includes relationships and the way that we conduct ourselves sexually, relationally, etc. It also includes in every other way as a human being that if you want to be as free as possible, surrender to God's design principles, mm. you will find more peace, more happiness, more fulfillment in that 100%. way. Yeah, well. A second point um, along with that is God has purpose for you if you're in a relationship and God has equal purpose for you if mm. you are single. And I think this is really huge because your value is not defined by being in a relationship or not. Your value is defined by being in a relationship with Jesus, right? Like Mm. in the sense that not that you don't have value if you're not in a relationship with Jesus, but that Jesus is the one who defines our value. Mm. Everyone else is just faking it. Nobody else can define your value, but God alone, because he's your maker. Yeah. And he says by the demonstration of Jesus's life given and surrendered on the cross for you, that your life is worth everything to him. So you are of infinite value. Wow. You can never be Powerful. remade because you have freedom of choice. So that means your choices shape who you are. God can't make another you. You're the only one. Oh, hey, so man. come to Jesus, surrender that to him, trust him with all of the boundaries and everything else in your life and experience freedom. Remember, real faith is live faith. 